Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now welcome to the elizabeth and rachel show groove it in shake it so glad you couldn't make it the elizabeth and rachel show Time for the ride. You're welcome inside the Elizabeth Rachel Show. A great show today. So glad you pressed play. The Elizabeth Rachel Show. The show's gonna start. It's cool you took part. The Elizabeth Rachel Show. The Elizabeth Rachel Show. Elizabeth Rachel Show. Hey guys, welcome out tonight. We have stolen the show again. It is again going to be the Elizabeth and Rachel Show. Rachel, how are you tonight? Oh, doing so well. I am really excited about this show. Can I be really honest with, you know, the world that we're in right now? I am so <laughs> stoked about this. We intended to do this a little bit earlier, but in between, I decided to have a human unexpectedly. So oh. thank you for your patience um, and letting us get back together on this tonight. We have got a pretty involved show. So if you are out there in podcast world, oh, I did want to say it's National Podcast Day. Did you know that, Rachel? I didn't know that. That's awesome. Happy National Podcast Day. I'm excited that we're recording today. Um, but if you are out there in podcast world and you want to grab yourself a piece of paper and a pencil, because I'm going to need to erase a lot to rewrite, um, you may want to do that now because there's a lot of information coming at you tonight. We are going to talk about the ins and outs of voting and I don't know if we should say government. I, I don't know exactly. What would you, what would you call this, Rachel? Well, I would say, I mean, you know, voting. So, okay. So like the preamble to the constitution is we, the people, right? So yeah. The whole, the whole concept of, of what it is, the, the voting process elections is like the, sort of keystone of our democracy. Like if you remove that piece then the democracy sort of falls apart. And so um, it's, it's really important to understand uh, sort of how voting works and how the elections work. And um, you know, our, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it talking about why it's so important to vote. Um, But it's, you got to make your voice heard. If you don't make your voice heard, then um you know, other people are making the decision for you. And, and, you know, the, the thing I probably dislike the most is when people complain, but they're not willing to do anything about it. And so voting is like the bare minimum of what you as a citizen um, can do to make your voice heard in, in terms of how our government is, is run. Rachel, that is like so perfect into what we talked about starting with. We lost a great this last week. And she was all about we the people, including us as the people. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, um, she served on the Supreme Court uh, for for several decades. She was appointed by uh, President Clinton. And before that, she she was a justice and in uh, the U.S. Court of Appeals. And before that, she was a lawyer who um, argued um, cases before the Supreme Court. I mean, there's there's few other justices who who had sort of the resume that she had, um, you know, also being the second woman ever appointed. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of sort of controversy regarding some of her uh, opinions on, you know, the, the more hot topic issues. But when it comes to just basic women's rights in terms of discrimination in regards to pay, being able to, to take out a credit card without your husband's uh, uh, approval, being able to get birth control without your husband's approval, like those things didn't happen that all that long ago, you know, the seventies and eighties, like for when a lot of that was happening. And so, um, people don't realize that, that just that recently that you could, you know, discriminate against a woman in the workplace if, if she was pregnant. And, and she argued, um, a lot of those cases to help advance women's rights in a very incremental way. Um, and so, um, her, her passing, obviously it's, it's a, huge loss because of the the history that she sort of carried on her shoulders. And then obviously, of course, um, what her vacancy now means at this critical point in the election. And, and it's, you know, there's, it's a hard, it's a hard position to be in either way, mm-hmm. whether or not we fill her seat before the election or, or after. Absolutely. Well, I think that, you know, the best place to start from there is, is number one, I really knew very minimal about her prior to her passing. I had watched that movie that had come out about her life and I had watched the documentary. And as horrible as this sounds, I thought her wardrobe was fantastic, but could not like wrap my mind around everything that she had done until I had read that post that you had put up and it just bullet pointed every right that I just take for granted as an independent, Mm -hmm. strong-willed, opinionated woman. I just, incredible, incredible, incredible. With that said, I think that she is just a perfect segue into where we want to start. Why, why is it important that we vote, Rachel? Oh, man. (laughs) So, you know, and, and voting for like during the presidential elections are always the ones that get the most attention. But what people probably forget is that it seems like people are campaigning all the time. Right. And that's yeah. because elections are, are happening pretty regularly, at least every two years, if not more often. Um, but as I, I mean, as I said earlier, your vote is your voice. And for a lot of people, it's really difficult to be engaged in the political process otherwise. And, you know, a lot of people aren't necessarily interested in, in the intricacies of, of government, uh, like someone like myself. Um, and so, you know, voting is something that um, people died. You know, they suffered for for this right. You know, uh, when we when we started out as a country, the the only people who were allowed to vote were uh, white male landowners. So it was really just a very small percentage of people who had the had the right to vote. Um, and because it's not something that's that's guaranteed in the Constitution. It's sort of weirdly enough, um, something we consider to be so 
uh, crucial to to how we function is is really not discussed much there. And so, um, you know, over time that that right has been expanded to more and more groups, um, and uh, and so part of part of it is like we we sort of owe it to those individuals who who fought for that right for for our benefit but also for for our future right and i think there there's often a disconnect between um you know what does it matter whatever people are doing in washington dc um what do, what impact does that have on my life well um you know this particular election, you're going to see a lot of stuff on your ballot and way more than simply just the president um, or even just the president and and the Senate. Um, You're going to see things up and down from school boards to uh, voter initiatives to um, judges. Oh, there's always the long list of judges, right? And all of those things play a role in how our government functions, whether you know, how much money our, our schools get to operate, um, how much money uh, police departments or fire departments get to, to operate, um, whether or not we're making it uh, healthcare uh, more or less affordable. Um, all of the, I mean, just even your tax rate, how much taxes are, um, are coming out of your, your paycheck. So all of those have a, a daily impact on our lives that maybe we, we don't think about very hard, but um, if you're giving up that right to vote, then you're giving up a voice in essentially how our society functions. And um, so, you know, there, it's, it's hard to convince people who think that, you know, it doesn't matter at all. Um, but once you start to look at the, all of the various ways that your vote impacts our society, it's, it's hard to sort of give up that power and say, eh, I'll just have somebody else make the decision for me. Um, so that's, that's why we need to vote. It's so important from, from the presidential, you know, person who sits in the white house to the people who sit on our school boards. Um, and you know, those are things that are also crucial. Okay. So you just threw out so much information. And as you were talking, I was like, oh, wait, we need to rewind that because I need to ask that question. I need to ask that question. I need to ask that question. Okay. So one, one of the things, and we're, you're really going to, this is like voting for dummies for Elizabeth right here. Okay. I need to be so (laughs) honest. Number one, this will be my, I'm 38 years old. This is my second presidential election I've ever voted in. No. So this is kind of a big deal. All right. So a handful of years back, my husband and I were discussing, we were, I don't want to say anti-vote, but I will say that Mm -hmm. we just, we were one of those that believed that our voice didn't matter, that we were one sound in this massive choir. Okay. And that our sound could be erased and nobody would know the difference. However, yeah. Over the last couple of years, and you, I got to be really honest, are a huge inspiration to that. When you were doing the classes um, at the church building for a little bit, I was like, okay, I need to figure some of this out. But I had made the decision that I was going to try to vote on a local level. So you just said that this this vote, November 3rd, coming up, we're going to be voting locally as well as nationally, federally, I don't know what the proper terminology is. See, voting for dummies over here. Um, So yeah, nationally and federally, those mean the same thing. Okay. But yeah, from, (laughs) 
from the bottom. Yeah, please do not leave anything on your uh, uh, ballot blank if you can help it. Um, you know, obviously you would like, it would be nice if you knew some information about what it is you're voting for or who it is you're voting for. Um, but in in uh, local politics, we like to tell people vote from the bottom of the ballot up because everything at the bottom is the stuff that's like most local to you. Okay. Um, and so, and, and, you know, I, I, I appreciate and understand why people become, um, disenchanted with, with politics, with government, um, especially when you see sort of the divisive nature that so many of, uh, our politicians sort of how they operate. And like, so I totally understand that it's, you know, you, sometimes it's just easier to tune it out because it feels so heavy. Yeah. Um, it hurts when you're told you're going to get a Bonnie Bell lip dispenser and then it never comes through. (laughs) Yeah. And so, but like when you look at some of these like local races, so, um, for example, in, um, uh, in the state of Arizona, um, we have a, a governor, right? He's sort of like the president of the state of Arizona. Right. Well, in Arizona, we also have a legislature, which is the Congress of Arizona. Okay. And so the legislature makes state laws, um, so a lot of what they do, like there's, there's only so much that the national government does, um, about something like healthcare or education. Um, so state governments have a lot more control over those things. So just for one example, there was a state, um, district race out in sort of the Phoenix, uh, Paradise Valley area. It's called legislative district 28 in which there was a Republican and a Democrat. And in 2018, uh, the Democrat lost by about 250 votes. And that right there could have been one of the determining factors of sort of flipping from Republican control, moving into Democratic control of the, the state Senate. And two, 200 votes yeah. like that's, you know, that's, uh, uh, my graduating class really right. like that's not very many people. And so, um, yes, like when you look at the big national scale, there's a difference between, um, you know, the winner and the loser by hundreds of thousands, if not millions of votes. Um, but at the very local scale, you're talking about just a couple hundred votes, sometimes separating these races and, so those are the people who decide those people who, who, um, you know, decided to, to vote that time around who wouldn't otherwise, those were the ones who decided, um, who was going to represent them and what the balance of power in our state level government was going to look like. Okay. So one of my questions for later, and I, I totally don't want to get yeah. totally off track here, but is that whole sure. lovely electoral college that we talk about, is that yeah. what you're talking about there when you're saying flipping the power from Republican to Democrat? Or is that a whole different category? So that's sort of a whole something else. The okay. Electoral College only um, functions in terms of the presidential race. The Electoral College has no other bearing on any other um 
uh, election or campaign in the United States. It's only for the president that the electoral college matters. Okay. Um, there's, there's a lot of intricacies when it comes to the electoral college. I highly recommend, um, if you've ever heard of the show, Adam ruins everything, uh, he does a really great episode on voting and he, he breaks down the electoral college in a very entertaining way to help, um, make it make more sense. Um, but as far as the electoral college goes, um, it's one of those things that was part of the constitution in there because, uh, our founding fathers wanted to put in some safeguards in case, uh, the, the people who voted maybe voted not so well. Um, and so the electoral college was, was in there to sort of safeguard who, who would be elected as president. All right. So we're going to circle back around to that one and get a little bit more detailed into that in a minute. We are actually going to move on just a tad here and go into talking about registration. So we talked a little bit about how this is my second time ever voting. And I got really lucky that my mother-in-law is super involved in this. And she, every time it comes time to vote for anything, she's like, Elizabeth, you guys have to register to vote. And I never do. I always tell her, sure, I did that. Yeah. But this time I was like, okay, but how do I do it? So I got really lucky. But for those that do not have a mother-in-law that's like threatening to throw a sandal at me, what do you do? I've got a 17-year-old who's getting ready to turn 18. How do we how do we get her ready for that? So as long as you are uh, 18 and eligible to vote by election day, so that's November 3rd. So if you have a birthday November 2nd, then yes, you can vote. Oh. All right. And you can register beforehand knowing that you will be 18 at time of yes. election. Yes. Okay. That's yes. good to know. Yeah. And that's important because um, October 5th, next Monday, mm-hmm. is the last day to register in Arizona. Okay. Everyone, so, did everyone hear that? October 5th, you 5th. said, get it in, get your registration in, get online and do it. Yes, you either uh, register or update. So you're going to do that at servicearizona.com. It's the same place where you go to update your car registration. They also do voter registration. So if you've recently moved, um, if you want to change like your party affiliation, which is not necessary, but if you want to, um, and you want to make sure that whatever like address is on your driver's license is, is going to match your uh, you're going to match your voter registration. So um, if you need to update it, if you need to register for the first time, do that by Monday, October 5th at servicearizona.com. Okay. So here's my dumb question. My mm-hmm. ID does not match my current address. So I intended on doing a mail-in ballot and dropping mm-hmm. it off. Is that going to affect anything? Because we're in COVID. I can't change my ID right now. So what, from what I understand, um, you, if you update your voter registration, they'll give you something to print because there's not like enough time for you to get like a new ID in the mail. Right. So they'll give you something to print that you can then take with you, um, to either drop it off or, um, you know, to, to the polling place. So they sent me a voter card. Is okay. that like what you mean? Or is there something else that I should be looking for? 
No. So you need to have like a photo identification, um, in the state of Arizona to, to vote. Okay. Um, the only, the only way that that doesn't exactly work is if you, if you are registered as like a mail-in ballot, like you get your ballot in the mail, um, then, um, you don't have to like provide identification because they've sort of done that identification on their back end. Um, and like you sign for it and everything. And so they check your signature against like the signature on your identification, um, to, to make sure that you are who you say you are. Okay. All right. So yeah. we have said that there is walk-in voting. You can go drop it off or do it in person, in-person voting. I guess that's what it would be called. Hello. And then there's yeah. mail-in. Are there any other ways or are those the two main ways to do it? So there, yeah, there's really like three ways that you can do it. You can get your ballot in the mail and you can fill it out and walk it into a polling place. Um, You can fill it out and mail it back, or you can just go into the polling place and vote. And what people don't realize is that you can vote early before election day, so like you don't have to wait until election day to to vote or to walk in your mail in ballot. Um, there's there's quite a few polling places that are open for early voting. Um, and if you live in Maricopa County, um, I highly recommend you go to the um, the the county recorders website. So it's recorder.maricopa gov slash forward slash early voting ballot. And you can find um, like what your early voting ballot status is, where are their early voting sites uh, where you could drop it off or vote. Um, there's so much information. And here in Maricopa County, um, the county recorder's office, they make voting so simple and streamlined, and there's so many opportunities to do it. So don't think that you either have to mail it in or go in person on election day. Um, there's a lot of different ways that you can submit your ballot in the way that you feel comfortable to do it. That's fantastic. And I, I recently learned, I did not know this before, and I guess I should, that Arizona is one of the very few states that has been doing mail-in ballots for like, what was it, over a decade? Longer. Yeah, we've been doing mail-in ballots for quite a while. So, you know, there's been a lot of discussion on the on the national level about, you know, the... Um, uh, the confidence in, in mail-in voting, but here in Arizona, you have a, a, a good portion of voters who already do it that way. And um, I actually just met with the Maricopa County recorder a couple of days ago. He was speaking to a group and his recommendation is to vote early. Um, and, uh, you know, either, uh, take your ballot into the polling place. And then that way, um, What's, what's awesome too in the last couple of years is that you can get signed up for um, like automated um, uh, notifications. So when I mail in my ballot, I get notifications that, hey, they have received my ballot, that they have tabulated my ballot, and they have verified my signature all through text message. So like you can sign up for that 
Um, I don't, I don't have the website um, handy on me right now, but you can sign up for that. So like, I know in real time, Hey, my vote just got counted. Um, and that's pretty awesome. Cause I know that there are some people who are worried about it, especially this year about whether or not their vote will be counted. And I think our, our system that we have here is just, I have so much confidence in it because of how, how much work um, our state officials have done on it in the last couple of years. I don't know if you realize this, but you are like the Segway queen. Like you are just like, Am I? boom, Ooh. right into the next. Because I was going to make a really tacky joke because of the uh, debates last night and what have you. But I think I'll just keep it real classy and say, well, how do we locate um, correct information on candidates at local and national? Because we okay. hear a lot yeah. of false information that comes at us about our votes and about who yeah. did what and where did who and all of that jazz. Is there is there yeah. a place to I mean I know I know fact check. I, I got that. But where sure. do we find out truth? Like is it is it possible? Well, you know, this is such a, a topic of conversation for like educators, for just average citizens, because because of the um, controversy surrounding um, uh, media, um, and as like a history teacher, uh, to be honest, the the concept of fake news isn't something that is new. It's certainly been rebranded in the last couple of years. But, yeah, you know, in the late eighteen hundreds, we referred to it as yellow journalism. The idea that we um, create sensationalized stories for uh, for a specific political agenda. So, like these concepts have, I mean, the ideas of propaganda have been around for for ages. You go back and look at Revolutionary War um, imagery, and uh, certainly what Paul Revere uh, uh, created uh, wasn't necessarily uh, truth. Mm-hmm. Um, So my biggest recommendation when it comes to trying to understand a particular issue and the various sides of of a particular issue is to look at lots of different media sources. Um, I think a lot of people maybe get comfortable in looking at the same one or two media sources. Um, But if you want to be an informed voter, look at a lot of different kinds, kinds that include various biases um, because we're humans and the news is created by humans. And um, there are certainly people who purposefully um, argue a certain agenda, but then there are others that try to remain more factual, um, but obviously not without some bias, at least. Um, When it comes to like local candidates and stuff, Oh, were you going to say something, Elizabeth? Well, yeah, I was just going to ask a question. When you say different news um, outlets and things like that, do you mean like Facebook, Instagram, Wikipedia? (laughs) So, I mean, I know there's a lot of people who get their get their news from social media. My um, my suggestion would be to always go to the source because um like when it comes to memes, please, please don't ever trust something you've read in a meme. Um, and I'll be honest, memes, you know, I consider, my, <laughs> I consider myself to be, you know, a somewhat educated person, but every so often I fall for a meme too. Like it happens to the best of us. But yeah. if, uh, if you want to search it out, you need to go to the source. So go to the news sites themselves, go to local news sites, go to national news sites. Um, and 
you know, look at various, various sources that way. Um, and I think once you've sort of gathered some information, uh, from, from multiple places, then you can come to your own conclusions about, you know, what, what is the, the reality and where, where do you stand on those particular issues? I think it's just really hard because I feel like as, as, elections have gone on and as as politics has gone on i feel like hollywood has gotten so involved with these commercials cuz i watch yeah. them and i'm like oh, what did that is that real fact checking that right now <laughs> and i i find myself getting a little wrapped up in it a little bit it's hard yeah. no it absolutely is hard especially when it's just confirming um, you know, your own bias and it's confirming what the the sort of narrative that you already believe. It's hard to step away from that and be like, no, wait, let me let me ask some tough questions before I just assume this is correct because it it falls within what I already believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it's much harder while we're sort of in the thick of it. Um, but it's it's sort of easier in hindsight. And so it's, that's my recommendation. Try to sort of step back a little bit and see if you can evaluate multiple sources of information before jumping to conclusions and especially before um, sharing it out uh, through social media or whatever. Um, Let's not, let's, let's try really hard not to perpetuate uh, falsehoods by a um, sharing things before we've checked them ourselves. I love that. I think that that's like golden right there. I think that's something we all really need to hear. All right. So. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What kind of spawned a lot of this was me sending you the text message. Because if you guys remember from our last show, I randomly messaged Rachel and go, help, I don't understand. I uh, talked to you about these lovely books that no one else can see, but you and I can see. And I was like, it's like Chinese. I've read the same three letters over and over. I don't understand it. Is there like an easy way? (laughs) Because, you know, Joey was like, talk to her about prop X, Y, and Z. And I was like, yeah, I don't really want to get into specifics because I think that becomes very opinionated. And I don't want us to, I mean, if you know us, you know our opinions already. But... I don't, I don't know how to read this book, any of these. There's three of them I'm holding. And I think one of them is just on one specific prop, to be completely honest with you, which really scares me. But one of them, I think, has all of them. And the judges, there's like eight pages of judges. You are not playing. I was like, yeah. I don't know who any of these people are. And I don't have the time to like Facebook stock them all. So I'm going to need some help. <laughs> yeah. No, it's what I, I mean, I think it's great that the state produces these booklets for us and I hope people don't like toss them. Um, and of course, like this information is available online, but this is really so much good information. Um, and this is, I mean, this is put together by, um, it's, and it's not affiliated with any one party. Like 
when you look at, um, uh, like for example, the propositions, right? So mm-hmm. we have Prop 207 and Prop 208 um, that are statewide on the ballot. And um, you'll see like in the, in the table of contents. So it said it has like an analysis by a legislative council, um, the fiscal analysis. So essentially like what impact will this have on um, uh, Arizona revenue mm-hmm. um, and then arguments for and arguments against. And so for some people, they really like to read the proposition itself, like the legal language. Um, I'm not usually one of those people. (laughs) And so it's nice to be able to go to the section and to look at all of the various arguments that people submitted for and against the various propositions. And you'll see there that if they're affiliated with a certain organization, um, it'll say that, and it'll say what part of the state they're from. Um, so, I mean, I think that's great information because right here you have a bunch of really varied perspectives from actual Arizonans that took the time to put together an argument, why it is there for or against this proposition. So like, I think this is a really great place to start in terms of if you are looking at something that you know absolutely nothing about. Um, and so that's that's my recommendation. Um, obviously, like you have the um, usually these propositions have put together like websites, they put together media campaigns. Um, so clearly you can go to the to the Internet and to do some web searches on those. Um there's a really great website called ballotpedia.org um, that provides information on who's funding this proposition. Because oh. some people like to know that information, like who's paying for this proposition to get on the ballot. Yeah. Um, and so like that information is available on the Internet. But I think the booklet that everybody gets in the mail is like a really great place to start. Rachel, I'm really glad that you kind of made me flip two pages in because, okay, so page 75 is like where I started and where I panicked. And I read analysis Uh by legislative council. And then I read the first three and I was like, Uh okay, A, I'm falling asleep. B, I have no idea what is being said here. If you would not have made me flip two more pages where they start speaking English again and I can read it. I was like, now I feel like, okay, I, I can do this. I can, I can flip through here and read this like, like a normal person without an attorney. Yeah, like if, yeah. I mean, I think most people like they're, they're not interested in the legalese and most people not really being, um, uh, exposed to that sort of language often, they're not necessarily going to know what it means or the impact of it. Um, and so definitely just going to those arguments is I think a great place to start. And then, I mean, what sort what aspects of those arguments really resonate with you? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know people who they'll go through and they'll take notes in, in the booklet. Um, and I think that's a great thing to do to, to try to be informed on, on these things that maybe you know nothing about. No, I think that that's fantastic. So, you you said in the beginning that this book that that gets sent out, and I'm assuming, does it get sent out to like everyone, every state, every county, ever like, or is this like an Arizona thing? So um, I don't. I mean, I was uh, I would assume that most other states have something like this put together. This is definitely an Arizona specific thing that's put together by the Arizona Secretary of State. Okay. Um, and so, uh. 
it is, it definitely goes through a lot of processes um, and a lot of, uh, oh my goodness, I just looked at the page about judges. That's a lot of people. I told um, you. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and when it comes to judges, like that's a hard one for people because it's like, like you said, I'm not going to go and stalk people's like, you know, social media or whatever, if they even have something right, like right. that, right? Um, <laughs> But I mean, there are people who uh, respected organizations, um, the parties themselves, they'll put together like their own lists of of who to retain or who not to retain. Um, So when it comes to the judges, I definitely rely on experts because I am not going to be going out and doing my own research on every single one of these individuals. So I go to my trusted organizations who I know um, have put their own list together. Um, and, you know, from there, that's that's my starting point. Perfect. And now you said that this was bipartisan. This isn't like one side or the other. This is just information. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly like the Secretary of State is, uh, is a partisan position. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, like all of the information in here, like you're, you're not looking at um, like something that is specifically geared towards one agenda. Like these are, these are things that are put together by um, multiple uh, departments within the government contribute to what is in here. Like the okay. legislative council is part of the legislature. And so they put information that goes in here as well. Gotcha. Um, So, yeah. Okay. All right. So we're going to step back just a little bit and we're going to go into like the presidential side of it. So I remember seeing on TV, because, you know, I'm dumb. um, They had like 16 Democratic potential presidents, right? Did we vote? To get down to oh. one or okay, how so, on earth did that work? Oh, no, like, yeah, that's part of the, uh, what we call like the primary process. Yeah. And, um, there is a lot of that process is like really complicated to me. Okay. It's overcomplicated <laughs> and it needs, uh, uh, reforming. And a lot of that is determined like by the parties themselves. And so if you'll, if you'll recall, recall in 2016, like, there was again, like 16, 17 Republican candidates that were running before sort of it got slowly narrowed down. Um, And the same thing happened this time around with the Democrats. And there's a lot of factors that play into that. There's definitely like how much money they're raising. Like, are they raising the kind of money that they would need to run a presidential campaign? Um, And then there's also like the staggered primary voting Um, So some states vote earlier than others and sort of that helps to narrow down the field a bit because if, if candidates don't get any votes in those early primaries, then, um, you know, they have less of a chance to win going, going further down. And so, yeah, um, Joe Biden was uh, the, the clear winner from Oh, when was it? I can't, I want to say it was right around when COVID happened mm-hmm. um, that, oh yeah, because Arizona had, we had our primary and I remember going in to turn my ballot and, and that was, you know, an experience because um, people were implementing, you know, COVID policies and stuff. But um, yeah, so that's how we ended up with, with Joe Biden and who then, you know, picked his VP running mate, uh, Kamala Harris. 
And um, with uh, President Trump, there there wasn't that um, that same process. Um, that's pretty typical for like the what we call the incumbent, uh, the person who is president who's running for re-election. Um, their party doesn't usually choose uh, uh, somebody different to to vote. Usually, they stick with with who they have. Um, so there is a lot of problems with that system, I personally think. Um, and part of that has to do with like the role of, uh, money in our, in our politics, um, which I wouldn't mind seeing, uh, changed a bit. No, yeah. Well, I feel like you and I could both make lots and lots of statements with a lot of what was just <laughs> said there. Um, however, okay. So now we know where to vote. We know why it's important. We kind of know how the primaries work a little bit. So almost four years ago, there was a situation where we had a clear winner by the people. And this is what really destroyed me. Like this, this was like all faith was just, it, okay. So we had a mm-hmm. winner by the people, right? Because we the people, that's what we started this whole conversation with. And then the numbers kept coming in. And then all of a sudden, all over the news, I keep hearing the electoral vote, the electoral vote. And I'm like, wait, I thought as like areas, states, counties, whatever, like we vote in the electoral person who then is supposed to represent our vote. So if the popular vote is what won, then why wouldn't the electoral vote be what the popular vote is like? Can Am I crazy? Like, isn't that how it's supposed to work? Well, so <laughs> the electoral, like, college process has has changed over time. Like I said earlier, like the electoral college is, is something that was written into our constitution. Um, so there's only been five times in our nation's history where the uh, the person who became president, the person who won the electoral votes, um, lost the popular vote. And so with President Trump, he was he was instance number five in which that has ever happened in our entire nation's history. Um, and I think you ask a great question. Um, isn't isn't the popular vote the people or the the votes that the people cast? Shouldn't those go to the electors in the electoral college? Um, the thing is, is that in the states, and most states are like this, not all states, we have what we call a winner-take-all situation. So in the state of Arizona, um, if one candidate gets 51% of the vote, they get all of the electoral votes for that state, not just like the percentage of electoral votes. Does that make sense? It does. So like, that is ridiculous. <laughs> and that is one of the criticisms as, of why maybe we should do away with the electoral college. Um, but, or we could just change maybe that aspect of, of how the electoral college works um, so that we don't have that winner take all situation. Part of the, the reasoning for that is that there's concern if we, if we run strictly on the popular vote, then um, the candidates are only going to appease people in uh, big urban areas, right? Because mm-hmm. that's where the most people are. So people who live in rural areas or suburban areas of the United States, their vote's not going to matter as much. 
Um, and so that's part of why we have the electoral college um, as it stands today. But because of that, that does mean that people who live in certain rural areas, their vote actually is worth more than people who live in like urban dense, uh, dense areas um, because there's fewer people to the amount of electors they actually have, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that absolutely does. So I remember somewhere around the time, uh, it had to have been around the time that COVID started. So we're talking six, seven months. They started talking about how either they were doing away with the electoral college or they were changing it. Something was happening with that. And I kept thinking, okay, well, good. Then that means it's the people's vote again. Is that true? Or was that just, you know, a meme I read? So um, pretty much every presidential election, it seems like there's uh, sort of rehashing of the arguments of whether or not we should keep the Electoral College. Um, I think maybe what you're referring to is um, earlier this summer, there was um, a decision regarding uh, electors have to vote with um, what the people choose in their state. So um in some instances, right, there's been electors who have not voted with the people. They mm-hmm. voted against what the people wanted. And so now they've put in like additional safeguards to make sure those electors vote with the people. Um, although, to be honest, that didn't really happen all that much um, uh, beforehand anyways of whether or not um the electors voted against uh, what the people wanted. That that really hadn't hasn't happened all that much. So if because I've heard over and over again that Arizona is a red state and I've heard mm-hmm. over the last couple months that now we're kind of on the fence, so to speak, and that we could be going into a blue state. Would that mean that the electoral college would then vote blue with quotes around it? Am, am I understanding you right on that? So what you'll see on your ballot, it's sort of funny. Um, what you'll see is the candidates' names, and then underneath each of the candidates' names are the electors associated with that candidate. Okay. So who you are actually voting for is you are actually voting for the electors who will vote for President Trump, right? Or the electors who will vote for um, Joe Biden. And so, um, does that make sense? No, that ac- absolutely makes sense and cleared up quite a few, um, questions that Joey and I have had over however many years, 12 years that we've argued this whole system, um, that actually <laughs> cleared up a whole lot. So it really yeah. does come down to needing to vote for those electors to make sure that they match what we want. Right. So I am being shown by our producer here the statement that says when people cast their vote, they're actually voting for a group of people called electors. The number of electors each state gets is equal to its total number of senators and representatives in Congress, a total of 538 electors from the Electoral College. Uh, the candidate who gets 270 votes or more wins, which I've seen a lot of those on a lot of these uh, graphs and charts that I try to act like I'm smart and I'm looking at, but really I'm just looking at colors and I'm like, oh, there's more blank color or whatever. Yay. (laughs) Um, But have no clue what it really means. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank goodness for color coding things. <laughs> but yeah, that 270, that's the number that everybody's going to be watching for on election night, whether or not, um, who, whoever gets to 270 first, that's, they're going to be the ones who, who win. And each state has a different number of electoral college members. Am I saying that correctly? Correct. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So I, I always ask you the same question over and over again about how do you talk nicely to people who disagree with you and how do you not be ugly and mean? But what we saw last night <laughs> was really, really difficult. And as much as I'm like, well, there's a reason why and oh, but they had the, you know, whatever I can, I can justify insanity. I'm, I'm me, but how on earth, how do we talk nice to each other? If this is our example, <laughs> like, where do we go from you here know, on this? Like any thoughts yeah, on that? <laughs> I think, like, I think there is, uh, um, there's certain people who, who have already decided. Right. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, like Arizona is, is one of the swing States this time around. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure how much we realize that, but um, people will be, are, are intently watching what is happening in, in Arizona. People are pouring money into campaigns in Arizona. Um, and uh, it's, Ah, uh, what was the question? <laughs> How do we talk nice when our examples uh, are not talk talking nicely. very That's nice right. to each other? <laughs> so, I know I'm. Uh, it's a uh, hard one. Like I'm a, a mom of a newborn, <laughs> so uh, it's it's hard. I'll admit it's hard for me, and like that's something that I do for for like my occupation is like learning how to be diplomatic and, and how I talk about politics and, and current events, because I don't want to um, sort of impose my views on my students, but um, it's hard. It's hard right now because mm-hmm. um, so many issues feel very personal for people. Um, and so, you know, the debate last night, I've, t- I've talked to Republicans, I've talked to Democrats. I think everybody's sort of in agreement that uh, um, not, not really anything good came out of that. Um, and people want to hear, like, what, what are the plans? What are your plans to, to address the fact that, you know, over 200,000 people have, have died of COVID? And what are your plans to address the fact that we, we have not even seen the worst of what uh, the pandemic has done to our economy. Um, people want to know those things. And so um, it's hard, I think, on social media, especially, right, because you're talking to a computer screen. You're not um, used to – you're not thinking of, of a, a human being on the other end of that. Um, and so, I, I mean, I highly encourage people to try to talk – in person. I think we're a lot nicer when we have those conversations in person um, rather than on social media or or via text message or anything. Um, And I think just trying to start from a baseline that um, we're all human. We all have our struggles. We all have our own backgrounds and experiences that uh, uh, color what our political opinions are. and I know that it's like hard to to not sort of view the the other side um, in in really like dehumanizing ways. Yeah. 
Um, but I mean, you gotta try, right? Because that's, if we don't, then, you know, I, I think that speaks volumes to where we're at as a, as a country. And, and hopefully, hopefully this is really like, <laughs> uh, you know, as bad as it gets, hopefully it, it, you know, gets better and we can have conversations, um, with each other and we can see our, um, politicians have conversations with each other without, you know, necessarily resorting to to name calling or anything else. Now, I feel like over my life, I have seen, I've seen a handful of the debates. I did watch the one Barack Obama was doing it and I saw, um, I can't even remember. I was really young with Clinton. And so I don't remember that one very well. And I obviously watched Hillary and and Donald Trump kind of go at it, but I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen them be so towards each other. Is that, is that normal? Like, am am I just like blanking it out and and going, what did I just watch? Like, I feel like these are, are grown men that are supposed to be wanting to represent our country. (laughs) I just don't know that this is our history. And I'm, I'm a little taken back by that. Sure. You know, um, when it comes to like presidential debates, really, the format in which we do them starts with, with, uh, Abraham Lincoln. Um, but not when he ran as president, actually, when he was running for a Senate seat, um, against, um, a man by the name of Stephen Douglas. And there was a lot of controversy at the time surrounding, um, the expansion of slavery. This is actually prior, you know, prior to the civil war, prior to him running for president. Um, and they had these series of debates in which they went essentially from, from city to city throughout the state of Illinois. And they spoke for hours, hours and hours and hours on the issues um, in a very formal um, way. Um, And that has, you know, since evolved. And so we have these presidential debates sort of based on that same idea. The first time the presidential debates were ever televised was in 1960, which was uh, Richard Nixon uh, versus uh, John F. Kennedy. And no one at the time could anticipate the impact that television would have on um, on the debates, because prior to it was really so heavily dominated by the issues. And now with television, you had to consider things like facial expressions and what somebody is wearing and lighting and all of those various things. And and we really developed this concept of what it means to be presidential. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I. I'm not in my own history. Can I think of uh, another presidential debate that was sort of uh, so contentious? And so um, I think there was very little um, substance that was actually discussed. Um, You know, I think back to uh, 2012 with uh, President Obama and Mitt Romney. And like the most scandalous thing was Mitt Romney referring to his binders full of women. And like that was... That was the most scandalous part of the debate. But otherwise, like they talked about the issues at length. And so um, we'll have to see. There's still two debates uh, scheduled. Well, hopefully those will continue. Um, I've heard that they may change some of their rules. Um, Mm -hmm. I certainly hope so, so that we can get some real substance uh, out of them. I had um, 
I had a text just come through that reminded me of the last debates that were televised. That they were a tad bit contentious. There was a little bit of stalking, prey on stage, and a lot of yelling wrong.、Um, that was a little bit contentious, but still not. Nearly as contentious as this was, I legitimately, I I swear to you, I truly thought at one point there was going to be like a ding, 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 and people were putting boxing gloves on. I was like <laughs> riled up. I was going to go hold up round、yeah. one for somebody. Like it was, it was really, it was, yeah. It、yeah, was, I, I, I think, and I think a lot of people feel that way. Like a lot of people from, I think, both parties feel that way. It's sort of a, a frustration and and、uh, asking themselves, like, what just happened? Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, it was certainly a, a performance. That's for sure. Well, that that is a really good way of of putting that. That genuinely was a performance. All right. So the last. Topic here that we had was、um, talking about involvement. How do we、yeah. how do we get involved? So I mean, at the very like basic level, make sure that your voter registration is up to date. Make sure that、um, you've signed up for、uh, mail in ballot, preferably. So then that way、um, you can get your ballot early and you can turn it in early.、Um, and that's like. Step number one, right? So make sure that you have that all taken care of. If you're looking at what's happening and you're like, I want to become more involved, there are so many ways to get involved.、Um, volunteers、um, are texting people, they're calling people,、um, they're leaving、uh, literature outside people's doors, they're knocking on doors in some cases,、um, and. If if you're one of those people who is like, oh, that's why, like, I'm getting so many like political phone calls or text messages. Yeah, those are volunteers. Those are people who, who、uh, they're just trying to gather like information.、Um, so try to be nice to them because they're just they're doing it on their free time.、Um, but you can you can do that as well. I would definitely,、um, if there's a candidate you feel very passionately about, I would. Reach out to their campaign. Go to their website. They they definitely have、um, uh, links there to to find out how to get involved. And that's you know at the at the national level as well as the local level. If there is a a state legislator or a, a governing board、um, candidate that, that you're like, oh, this person is awesome. I know them. They're a family friend or whatever.、Uh, get involved that way. See what they need help with.、Um, and. I mean, that's really, and I said this the the other day on another call that like that's the grunt work of citizenship. Like, I wish that、uh, campaigning and all this stuff, volunteering, it was a little more glamorous. Wouldn't that be nice? But、um, it really like it's it's doing the very small things, and a lot of people doing those very small things that. That make a huge difference in this election. So, if you're ready to to take the next step, reach out to to、uh, your either the the candidates, the campaigns themselves, or to like your local、uh, party offices.、Um, and then also,、um, you know, with with the coronavirus, you can sign up to be a poll worker. Um, that's a great way to get younger people involved because hey, they get paid to、uh, to work the polls. And because、uh, you know the average age of, of poll workers previously were are those individuals who are elderly,、um, so 
um, sign up to be a, a poll worker. They, they have, you know, one day positions, they have seven day positions, they have 28 day positions. Um, and you know, participate, get, get involved. And, um, I think it, it, it's very enlightening when you're working on that end of things, um, to see really how all of this works together, um, and why we need everybody's involvement, um, in order to, to make sure that we are, uh, that our elect, our elections function properly and in the way that we hope they will. I love it. Rachel, you are such an inspiration and a plethora of knowledge on things that I don't even know where to begin Googling. So thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for everything that you do to help educate people, both in a classroom for so many years and and now on your free time and not getting paid for it. You You really genuinely are a great citizen, and I really appreciate everything that you do. You guys, we are going to throw up a ton of links where you can find out voting. You can um, look up resources. We're going to throw a ton of links on all of our different social medias, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, um, to be specific. If you guys have any questions or comments for Rachel, not for me, I'm going to just text her in the middle of the night. So if you have any questions for Rachel, send them through our social media. Um, I'm sure that she would be very happy to stop getting messages from me and get messages from other people people at this point. Um, I am really trying to talk her into doing a regular show with me. So if you guys want to throw a little nudge, nudge towards her for that, that is always good as well. But seriously, I want to say thank you for taking over mine and Joey's show with me. You are such a pleasure to talk with. And well, I always so feel like I learned so much. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, you guys, I do want to close with one last thought that um, I've been thinking a lot about since last night. In this world, we are all have hard things that we have to do. I have had four babies and I have been married to an amazingly crazy man. Um, And that in itself is hard. We've been doing homeschooling and I've been the breadwinner and life is really, really hard. I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the fact that it is not that hard to denounce white supremacy. It is not that hard to denounce um, systemic racism. It is not that hard to be kind to your neighbor and to remember that we will always be better if we are better to each other. You guys, there's so much coming at us in the next um, 40 some odd days. Let's, Let's try to remember to be kind to each other. I am thankful for you all, and I hope you guys all have a great night. Grooving and shaking, so glad you couldn't make it. The Elizabeth and Rachel Show. It's time for the ride. You're welcome inside the Elizabeth and Rachel Show. A great show today, so glad you pressed play. The Elizabeth and Rachel Show. The show's gonna start. It's cool you took part. The Elizabeth and Rachel Show. The Elizabeth and Rachel Show. The Elizabeth and Rachel Show. Show.